Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, Denard Robinson, Timonga Bianca Batuka, from Yost to Arbaugh, passed down from generation to generation, Michigan football has stood the test of time. What's that feeling you get when you catch your first glimpse of the big house? When you hear, and take the field. When you see the team emerge from the tunnel, sprint across the field, and touch that famed M-Go Blue banner. Saturdays in the fall, tailgates with friends and family, favorite players, favorite teams, and unforgettable moments. A lifetime of memories. College football in 2020 may be unique, but it has arrived at the corner of Stadium and Main, which is where you can find Michael Spath and Justin Rowe sharing their analysis, their stories, and their emotions about this year's Wolverine. This is the Stadium and Main podcast. Presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers. Welcome to the Stadium in Maine podcast. I am Justin Rowe, joined by my co-host, Michael Spath. It is Tuesday, February 16th, after an absolute blizzard last night here in Southeast Michigan. Uh, Mike, I know you're up in Royal Oak. I am here in Canton. I was in Ann Arbor last night, actually, and... It was, there was about 16 inches of snow, it seemed like. Um, and I know we were supposed to be doing this podcast from Wolverine State Brewing Company with some punch keys with the rest of the crew, but unfortunately, it's just you and I today. So, how you doing? You know what? I mean, all things considered, well, but I'm certainly bummed. I mean, yeah, we, we had this plan. Uh, we were going to put the gang back together with the addition of you uh, you know, which uh, blending the two worlds here, uh, Matt Misler, Brandon Brown, Zach Shaw, Anthony Sylvester. Uh, we're all going to go over to Wolverine State Brewing Company for their delectable punchkeys. Uh, Nate Fritz, the general manager and head chef there, always comes up with four crazy concoctions, and he did again this year. Uh, and so, yeah, I was really looking forward to it. And we got, you know, I can't complain too much, Justin, because I know you're a big uh, snowboarder and you and you go up north a lot with your uh, fiance. Mm-hmm. I have been clamoring for a big snowfall all year. Here we are, like mid-February. We've been getting like one inch here, two inches there. Nothing significant. So I've been saying like, hey, when are we going to get the big one? When are we going to get the big one? Well, we got the big one last night. Uh, and, and yeah, it just completely sidelined everything. All the plans uh, are... We have a we have a nanny that uh, takes care of John, um, and so she couldn't get out of her driveway. So um, I'm you know I'm I'm playing the role of I don't want to say of of stay at home dad right now. Uh, he's sleeping at the moment, um, so I spent a lot of time with John and had to push a lot of meetings. But hey, you know what? There's worse things in the world certainly than uh, spending the day with uh, with your cute one year old. So it's all working out. It's all working out. But damn man, like. Nate posted pictures on Instagram and on Facebook of the donuts and the donut uh, flavors. And uh, I- I'm, I- I'm bummed because they look outstanding and uh, props to any, you know, those of you who live in Ann Arbor, I hope, you know, you, by the time you listen to this podcast, it's, it's going to be over with. Um, but I hope somebody got out there and uh, took advantage of some of the great punch keys they're offering. 
For sure, for sure. I saw uh, just scrolling Instagram today. I saw quite a few of them. So um, I was jealous uh, for anybody who got out there and got one. I, to be honest, I have not left the house today. I've been working from home with a, a lot of me. So um, you know, which is not what I I was hoping to go to Wolverine. I was really looking forward to it, but it, um, you know, when there's that much ground, it's probably for the best to stay home. But um, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm excited now to to get back to a regular schedule. It seems like a little bit talking to you about Michigan athletics after a big weekend for uh, the Wolverines back in action, including a big, huge win for Michigan basketball. I don't know about you, but I was like pumped up, going nuts in my living room down the down the stretch there as Michigan came back from what was it, thirteen down at halftime or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it w- it really was a big win, and it it kind of further solidified how special this team is, Justin. Because you go on the road after what did what did they add up the days? It was something like twenty three days, maybe, mm-hmm. um, since they played their last game. Uh, you go on the road. You're playing a Wisconsin team that you know is is not as dominant as they were earlier in the season, um, but a Badger team that had you know just come off a nice victory over Nebraska, uh, that was two and one in their last three games. Um, you know, didn't have the same type of rust. I mean, they'd played, you know, February 2nd, February 6th, February 10th before they were hosting Michigan. And, and I mean, I talked about it on the podcast the other day. Like, I had no expectations for Michigan. I was predicting Michigan to lose this game because uh, it was going to take some time for them to get back. No faith. And no faith. Yeah, no faith. Okay, <laughs> right, right. And certainly in the first half, it looked like that, right? I mean, they were mm-hmm. shooting poorly. They, you know, John Howard talked about a lot of bad defensive rotations. Uh, turnovers. I mean, guys that guys that were like linchpins, guys that were great players for Michigan, Eli Brooks and Hunter Dickinson and Sean Day Brown looked completely out of sorts in that first half. Uh, and so, yeah, I was like, okay, this is just going to be a loss. And this is exactly what you kind of thought it was going to be. But the good news is that they've got a two game cushion uh, on everybody else in the big 10 and, and they've got time to get this thing back. And instead what we saw in the second half, um, you know, I, I posted this on, on Twitter that second half was exactly why this team is ranked number three in the country, why mm-hmm. it's the Big Ten, you know, first place team and, and likely Big Ten champion and why it's a legitimate national championship contender because all the things that were going wrong in the first half, they they cleaned up in the second half. The defense rotations, uh, the rebounding, um, great rebounding on the offensive end from, from Hunter Dickinson, you know, good enough clutch shooting. I mean, they did they, – they locked down Wisconsin in a way that um, – you know, great defensive teams and great teams do overall. And, and Justin, I mean, I don't know about you, but to me, you're, you're right. That, that going down the stretch. I mean, Isaiah livers to me in that game showcased, you know, what, like why he came back for his senior year uh, and, and why I'm a little surprised that he has not been more in the conversation for like big 10 player of the year. It's essentially either like a soon move from Illinois or Garza from Iowa. But what he showed to me on Sunday was, was Isaiah Livers one of the best players in the Big Ten, and he's the best player on Michigan? Yeah, for sure. And and you know, at the beginning of the game, at the after that first half, I was like, "Shit, Mike's gonna be right." After I said that they were gonna, you know, they were gonna come back strong. Now I got to deal with Spath being right and telling me how he's always right and all this stuff. But then they <laughs> they came back. They came back. Uh, you know, at the end of the game, and and it was what we said though is. If Michigan is going to come back strong, it's going to be from their senior leaders. And Isaiah Livers said, 
hey, I'm that senior leader. It's me. And Eli Brooks didn't have he didn't have a great game offensively, but I did see his plus minus was pretty incredible. I can't remember exactly what the stat was, but he had a great plus minus, I believe, for uh, on on Sunday too. But Isaiah Liver said, "Hey, you know what? If we're going to do this, it's going to be on the back of myself," and that's what he did. He came out and said, "All right, I'm gonna, you know what? We're, nobody's going to be shooting really well. Um, everyone's going to have their legs, you know, not right, not really underneath them yet." Um, but he came out and he was actually on fire for most of the game. It was more of that clutch shooting, like as you said, that really um, helped them out down the stretch. I, I'm thinking of the one specific uh, uh, possession late where Hunter Dickinson came out, somehow got that re- offensive rebound. I don't even know how. It seems like he was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 15 feet in the air at that point, kicks it out to Livers for a three. Uh, and he drains it, and that seemed like a dagger where uh, Wisconsin was trying to to uh, to put it away, and Michigan really um, took the lead there and never gave it back. But um, yeah, it was really incredible to see them all all come together in the second half. Down thirteen, I think that Isaiah Livers came out in his press conference after the game and said that Juwan came into the locker room clapping and all fired up and saying, "This is exactly where we want to be," which is just hmm. it just goes to show you. I mean, down 13 on the road at Wisconsin, that's not where you want to be, Mike. That is absolutely, nobody's ever said that that's where you want to be. But I think that Juwan is just that guy that he's going to come in with the energy. He's going to have the leadership to say, it doesn't matter how much we're down or where we're playing it or how how many days we've had off, we can come back. We are a team that can do just about anything if we really put our minds to it and play hard and do all the things that we're supposed to do. And they took that on in the second half, and it was really incredible to watch. It was, I mean, I don't know about you, but just watching, there were times when I was like, okay, maybe this is going to happen. Maybe this is going to happen. And then Wisconsin would come back and, uh, you know, hit a three or something. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Michigan would, they had a, a fast break opportunity that they that they missed. Um, and then I was like, all right, I think they're going to give them a good run here, but it's not going to be enough in the end. And then that last five minutes, I I believe I maybe you have the stats in front of you. I don't, but um, it was I. You go ahead and rattle them off for the past because for the last little bit because I think it was an incredible run that they went on to seal the deal. Well, I mean, it was uh, it was fifty three fifty three with five minutes to go, but the the, the key moment, um, you know, after uh, after a missed free throw by Isaiah Livers, which my God, it was a front end of a one and one. Yeah, uh, he never misses free throws, um, and and he did. And so then Wisconsin got the ball and, and hit a couple of free throws, and so they were up fifty-seven, fifty-four with four oh three to go, fifty-seven, fifty-four, and the final was sixty-seven, fifty-nine. So Michigan went on a thirteen to five run to close it out, and wow. and really, I mean, it, you know, it, the, the play you're talking about too, because you know Hunter Dickinson. Since we got all, you know, googly and giggly with him uh, in the first half of the year, we were talking about him being like national player of the year conversation and uh, top 10 draft pick. And this is why they play an entire season, right? Because he has really kind of gone through a freshman hitting the wall on the offensive end. But in this game, you know, he wasn't a huge contributor offensively. Uh, He finished with 11 points. He was three of eight from twos. Uh, which is way under his his two point average for the season, but my God, the offensive rebounds and the defensive rebounds that he picked up. And so here's Michigan down by one with 3:51 to go, 
and he gets a defensive rebound. Uh, Eli Brooks misses a three-pointer. And then Hunter Dickinson, you're right, like he somehow snags the ball. On he the came out from like the under market. the basket. Yeah, and, wild. Yeah, it was I'm, – I'm with you. Like you have to see it to believe it because he almost catches it on one side as he's getting pushed to the other mm-hmm. side. And he kicks out to Levers, who hits a three-pointer, and they go up two. Uh, and then it was no looking back from then. And, and that was the biggest shot um, of the game by far. You know, one of the biggest shots of the season. And Isaiah Levers was, was dropping it in there. And, you know, Dickinson finished it off then, uh, you know, gets another offensive rebound the next possession, leads to a layup uh, that gives him a, four, or a 61-59 lead. Um, you know, gets them a, a rebound to Franz Wagner for a 63-59. It was awesome. I, there's been a couple times this year watching Michigan where I've jumped up off the couch, but just to be able to do that after a 23-day pause, um, after kind of wondering like what this season was going to become with Michigan, you know, all the Michigan athletics um, having to having to stop for a while, that felt so good, so incredibly good, Justin. Uh, and and now you look at the rest of the schedule. You know, they've got Rutgers this Thursday on my birthday, I'm going to say. Oh, 41 throw it year, out. So big celebration. You know, you look at their schedule, Ohio State, which is going to be a big one. They've got Indiana, Iowa, Michigan State. I mean, Rutgers, Indiana, Michigan State are all, you know, should be, I don't want to say easy wins, but, um, you know, I, I would put in the W column. Mm-hmm. And if they do that, and they don't have to make up any of these games, like they're guaranteed to, to win the Big Ten title, um, regardless of what they do against Ohio State and Iowa. I do think there's an opportunity either on like February 24th or on March 2nd to try to squeeze a game in there. But if you look at the other schedules across the Big Ten, the game that they obviously want Michigan to play is probably against Illinois. But the only day that that would really work because of the line schedule is this March 2nd. Um, and that sandwiching, you know, it in between a February 27th and a March 4th game for Michigan, can they get away with it? Yes. But if I'm the Big Ten, and I don't know about you, Justin, when you, when you think about this, like, I'm the Big Ten, I'm not forcing this issue. Like, okay, so what if, Michi- if Michigan wins the Big Ten title and, and they didn't play Illinois? Like, that's not the end of the world here. Right. Like I have this yeah. incredible opportunity with Iowa, Ohio State, Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin. The top five in the Big Ten is as good or better than anybody. Right. Um, in college basketball. And I've got like I would be put, setting my team up, all my teams up right now to be the best that they can possibly be going into the postseason. So why would I try to cram a game or two games into there just so that Michigan and Illinois play like I haven't seen I haven't seen anybody say they're going to do that yet. We've seen the women's basketball schedule get filled in with gaps. Like they haven't done this to the men's side. I don't think they're going to. Yeah, I don't think they will either. What what benefit does it? I mean, yes, you get money from playing that one game and and showing it on TV and everything. But I think if you're looking at it in terms of the long term, what's your best chance for the big for a Big Ten team to make a run in the tournament? And that's got to be Michigan. So the same way that they did, they you know gave every favor to Ohio State in football. I have to imagine they're looking at Michigan basketball the, some, in somewhat the same fashion. Um, yes, you would get a lot of viewers for an Illinois-Michigan uh, uh, showdown at the end here uh, if it was you know within one game or something for the Big Ten uh, Conference Championship. But I, I agree. I don't see it happening. They haven't seemed to – I would think that they would have tried to, to schedule those already if they were going to. Um, 
But I also want to say, you know, going back to the game on Sunday, I kind of thought in my head, okay, they lose this game, especially if they're down 13 at half. If they go down, you know, lose by, you know, 20 or lose by 15 to 20 points, what does, what is that, what would that have meant for what you thought of these next three games against Indiana, mm-hmm. State, and Rutgers? I would have thought, okay, well, now are they going to get out of rhythm? Do, are they never going to be the same team again? Um, you know, that's what I would have been worried about. And I think that would have been the discussion we would have been having today. But instead, they come out, play really, really well in that second half and come out of, um, of Madison with a win. And now you're, you're, I mean, we're talking like they're not going to miss a beat again. So, and, and that's what I do think a little bit is now, now they're going to hit the ground running. I, do I think that they're never going to lose again? I doubt that just because of the way basketball goes. Everyone has off nights. Um, but I think that they're still going to hit the ground running. I think that the rest of the Big Ten is playing out to Michigan's favor. Uh, you know, Iowa has lost quite a few games now. Um, Illinois was very close to losing to Nebraska the other night. Oh, my gosh, they should have lost if Nebraska had any idea how to do a, a you know an inbound play at the end of the game. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, Michigan's still moving forward with this schedule. I, I'm hoping that they don't try and pack a bunch in and, and then Michigan's in a bad spot or something for the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. But I still think no matter what, you have to think Michigan's in the, uh, in the driver's seat for the Big Ten championship going down uh, this last stretch. Yeah, and, and it's interesting what you say because, yes, when you look at it, if they would have lost that game by 20 points, we'd be having a far different conversation. But you win that game, you you keep the two game uh, buffer over Illinois, which mm-hmm. you know just makes it so hard with five games to go. You know now you look at that Rutgers game; it's it's at home. Uh, so they you know since since playing Wisconsin, they're able to get home on Sunday night. Uh, they have all day Monday, all day Tuesday for conditioning, normal Wednesday practice to uh, to rest their bodies, to to go through a normal walkthrough, to just do shoot around and stuff like that play the game at night. They even have like a little bit of an extra window, right? Cause it's 9 PM game on Thursday. Yeah. Like it, the schedule honestly sets up for them. The schedule sets up for them to come back and to, to play at the level um, that they were before because they get Ohio state, uh, uh, you know, on Sunday. Um, but that, you know, that's enough time to kind of get back into a rhythm. So I, I really like Michigan's opportunity here to, to go forward to win the big 10 Again, as, as we're discussing, as long as the Big Ten doesn't cram in a whole bunch of games, and not even saying that Michigan would lose those games, but just the wear and tear on the body. Right. Of, you know, Juwan Howard even spoke about it in his, his press conference earlier in the week. Like, you know, if they try to schedule a game on February 23rd and then a game on March 2nd, um, you know, you're talking about, okay, a player plays a game, has the next day, and then the next day is playing. And it's like, well, that's just – you know, that's not a good situation. Right. That's really not a good situation uh, to be in, especially when you've had this time off. So I'll be, let really alone if you, let they, alone if you put COVID in there too, you know, not, yeah. a, that would be, I, I, it's not a good situation if we're just talking legs and injuries, but then you throw COVID possibilities in there and it's an even worse situation. Exactly. Exactly. So no, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm geeked about this game on Thursday. I'm geeked about playing Ohio State on Sunday. Oh, yeah. What'll be a top five matchup. You know, we'll certainly talk more about that after uh, Thursday's game against the Scarlet Knights. But no, man, I, it, it's just, just, 
I don't know about you, but like I, I started my weekend uh, and actually on Thursday, the women's basketball team played and they beat Purdue by, I think, like 15 points. Mm-hmm. And then on Saturday, I was able to watch the Michigan-Wisconsin hockey game and, and the Wolverines won five to one. And then on Sunday, both the hockey and basketball teams played. And my wife looked at me at one point. She's like, why are you so like, you got this big smile on your face. I'm like, because <laughs> I've got sports to watch again. I've got Michigan sports to watch again. And it was just, it just felt great uh, to be able to have, you know, our team playing, uh, to be able to, to, to sit down and, uh, you know, to kind of like make must watch television, um, you know, one o'clock on sun. I, it just, it just felt really good, Justin. I was glad to have it back, obviously. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I've been feeling for the past three weeks, I've had this, this hole in my, uh, in my life. And it just, it, it's a little embarrassing that, like I've said to, uh, to, to admit just how much Michigan athletics uh, affects me, but it really did. It turned my, turned my day around. It turned my weekend around. It, 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 uh, it really kickstarted this week to, to make it a good one. So Michigan basketball is, you know what? It's, it's just so easy to root for them. They, I mm-hmm. mean, they're great people. They're great guys. They play the right way. Uh, I don't know if you saw the the tweet, the video I put out on Blue by 90 that went a little viral of Juwan talking to Sean Day mm-hmm. uh, uh, post game, giving him his 1,000th point ball. But I mean, how can you not love that man? How can you not love this mm-hmm. team? Because he is just the greatest leader. He truly sees them as a family. He, I mean, I thought he was going to even start tearing up when he talked about how Sean Day has. Uh, has mentored his own son, Jace. It's just really one of mm-hmm. those things that, um, you know, you go from John Beeline, who is this really incredible human being as well, and was just the, the greatest coach. He was the greatest guy, straight to another great human being and great mm-hmm. coach. It's, it's really spectacular for Michigan fans to, to, be, to have those two guys now. And I am just very excited and, and happy to have uh, to have Juwan at the helm here for hopefully the, the long run. Well, Justin, I know from you bringing this up that you want to talk about the fact that you got accused of slamming uh, John Beeline <laughs> yeah. or, or Spartan fans who are just the worst uh, jumped all over you for essentially saying that you're disrespecting uh, John Beeline because you're offering praise of Juwan Howard and which is just one of the stupider arguments I've ever heard. And, what you just said, I mean, we are extremely lucky as Michigan basketball fans. Like To think about where we were as a program, where we were as a fan base 15 years ago, coming off of, you know, the Brian Ellerbein and the Tommy Amaker, which Tommy Amaker is a great guy, but he wasn't winning at the level that Michigan fans were hoping. And it looked like, God, for the rest of Tom Izzo's career, that he was just going to own the Wolverines. I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a bad, it was a negative space. Mm-hmm. And now here you have two national championship appearances, multiple Big Ten titles under John Beeline, one of the classiest guys you'll ever meet, someone who won with integrity, won without cheating, um, which is a rare thing to do in college basketball, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and paved the way for the next coach to come in and to, you know, again, I didn't know if, if Juwan was going to be able to. I thought it was going to be like a three- or four-year project to get him up to speed. Mm-hmm. He got up to speed within 12 months. He's got the number one ranked recruiting class in the country coming in next year. Um, I look at it like this. I don't know how many programs, if you look at college basketball and college football, the change from staff, the change of head coaches is such a risky proposition. We saw that after 
in football, especially Lloyd Carr to, to Rich Rodriguez to, to Brady Hoke. You know, look at how many times it doesn't work. And rarely do you have the Jim Trestle to Urban Meyer to uh, Ryan Day. Uh, you know, it's, it's usually there's some hiccups along the way. And yet here we have Michigan basketball that, that turns it over from John Beeline to Juwan Howard. And I agree with you. I'm going to say this. I have been so impressed with Juwan, and I've watched so much college basketball throughout my life and studied this for the last 20 years as a member of the sports media, that I think Juwan Howard is a 15 to 20-year guy at Michigan. I don't think the NBA is going to lure him away. I think this is a Coach K stay in the same spot. Tom Izzo stay in the same spot. And I'll say this. If he sticks around for 15 years, I think Michigan is in multiple Final Fours, men win something like three or four, maybe even more Big Ten titles, and completely during Juwan Howard's time, as long as Izzo is at Michigan State, replaces Michigan State as by far the dominant program in the state of Michigan. I think he is that good. I think the way that he has developed his players is that good. His recruiting is that good. Can he connects with these players on a level that the people guys are going to continue to want to play for him. I think there is an era, a very, very special era that we are about to watch unfold for the next decade plus as Michigan fans. Yeah, and I don't want to be here, and, and we're the ones that are setting the expectations way too high for Joanna Howard, but it's hard to disagree with that statement, Mike. It really is. By everything that we've seen in the past year and a half that he's been in here in Ann Arbor, everything you've seen is, is a positive. You know, you, you saw them go into a slump at the end of last year. I We kind of thought they would maybe go into a slump at, uh, this year, especially coming off that 23-day pause. But if we're talking longevity over the, over a decade plus here, I, I, can't, dis, or I can't agree with you more um, because it, he does everything the right way. As you said, he connects with these guys on a way that I don't know if I've ever seen anybody connect mm-hmm. with them, honestly. The way that he even said it, um, something jumped out to me in his, in his press conference uh, when he was talking about the Brad Davison elbow to Mike Smith's head, where then he got a technical for arguing. Um, and then they went back at, you know, Mike Smith then got a bucket right after it. Um, but he was talking about that whole play and he, he referred to Mike Smith as our brother. He said, well, mm-hmm. yes, Brad Davison got our brother, Mike Smith in the head. That's truly how he sees these guys. They are brothers. They're a family. It's something that I don't even know. Like, again, I'm not bragging on John Beeline, but I don't even know if I saw that under John Beeline. So it's almost like, it's just really incredible what he's able to do. And then on top of him being that great person that's building this great culture, he's pretty dang good as an in-game coach that we found out too, or he's put together a great coaching staff to help him along with it as well. Um, And then you'd tack on, Hey, guess what, Mike? They got the freaking number one class coming in next year. And I doubt it does. It seem like they're going to have less than a top five class for the next three to five years. I don't know. It it doesn't seem like it. So I I agree with you. It just seems like everything's going up for Michigan basketball. And it's going to be really, really fun to watch these teams continuously go to the final four. Um, continuously play great defense and, and have great recruits. And, you know, that that's a, the part about all this. You really don't have a single five-star yet on this roster, right? 
So mm-hmm. add a couple five stars coming in next year, compound that with I would what I would assume is a couple next year uh, or the following year. And r- now you're really talking about seriously dominant teams, which we're, you know, we're 13 and one right now. So that's pretty dang dominant. But I, I feel like it might even get better uh, moving forward. And I think you had some things to talk about in terms of five stars, maybe committing or maybe decommitting from, from a certain place too. Yeah. Let's get there in one second. Cause I, you had a couple of things that I want to unpack there, Justin. Um, I do agree with you that when you look at recruiting efforts from Michigan, uh, I, I think as long as Juwan's there and for at least the next few years, um, top 10 classes at the very least a top 10 class, but considering how quickly he's put together a top, uh, well, the number one class, but a top five class, um, I, I think he's going to be able to do that year in and year out for two reasons. One, he's that dynamic. People want to play for him. Um, and the way that, you know, he, the basketball program uses their own social media, uh, they're clearly highlighting the best of who John Howard is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm confident that people are going to see that and are going to, you know, fl- continue to flock to him. The other thing about it is that, you know, we had a big discussion uh, in the, the class I teach at Michigan uh, on uh, Monday, February 15th, uh, with a couple of sports business attorneys and a former Michigan hockey player about name, image, and likeness. And name, image, and likeness is going to revolutionize college sports, where now athletes can benefit from their own personal brand. And a place like Michigan is going to become that much more appealing uh, to recruits because the brand of the Block M is as big as there is in college athletics. And the other thing that that does, Justin, and I thought this was a really good point by Mark Edelman, who is a, a law professor, uh, a, a, a Michigan law grad, um, and an expert on uh, name, image, and likeness. In fact, he's been consulted on by a number of state legislatures in California and in Florida and in North Carolina and Michigan to help write their their laws. And he said, when you allow players to make money off of their own personal brands, all the nefarious stuff, all the cheating that goes on underneath the table, he didn't want to say it's going to disappear completely, but so much of that now becomes board, uh, comes above board because right now what you mm-hmm. have are sneaker companies like Nike, like uh, Adidas, like you know the, the personal brands out there that are essentially giving money to, to college coaches to funnel that money to players because they want those players to go to those schools and that they, they want those opportunities to then get in the, the ear of those kids so that when those kids go pro, they end up signing the, the shoe contract with Nike, with Adidas, with, you know, whoever, Reebok, whoever it is. And that's how it works. But all of a sudden, Nike can now negotiate with the top 10 prospects, the top, you know, the five stars in any given class and say, hey, we're just going to sign you while you're at Duke, while you're at Michigan. It's all above board. It's all completely legal. And now they don't have to steer those kids. They don't have to do all this illegal stuff. And so I think Michigan and I think Juwan Howard is going to be a big time benefactor uh, from name, image, and likeness. So, Justin, let's take a quick break and um, we'll come back and we'll talk about five stars and and our little brother, Michigan State. <laughs>
This is the Stadium and Main Podcast, presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers. So, Mike, I know that Valentine's Day just passed us, and I assume that Keith, uh, our friend at Lewis Jewelers, probably had a pretty busy week over there. Um, I know that they, they had a lot of stuff I saw on social media um, in terms of rings and necklaces and earrings, and they've got just about everything that you can imagine to, to um, you know, bedazzle your significant other with. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to know what did you uh, did you get anything for uh, your lovely wife Amy for Valentine's Day here? I did. Uh, I didn't get her jewelry, but my birthday is in a couple of days, and oh. I have not been very I have not been very subtle. Um, you know, I have, uh, I have sent her a couple of links to some watches. Uh, if you remember from the conversations we had with our good friend, Will Heiniger, um, back during football season, I'm a bit of a watch horse. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, I've sent her a couple of links to some watches, uh, that I would, you know, if they ended up, if that's the only gift, that would be the best gift. But I'm, so I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I don't want to get too high on this, but um, no outstanding selection uh, at our friends at Lewis Jewelers, and and yeah, they just finished uh, probably their busiest holiday, uh, Valentine's Day. But my goodness, anniversaries, birthdays, um, you know, everything's still coming up. Mother's Day uh, is incredibly not too far off. Hopefully, we can get out of this uh, winter weather we're having here. Mm-hmm. Um, but LewisJewelers.com uh, to check it all out. Uh, Justin, you know, y- you guys. You guys have already got your engagement ring, but when you mm-hmm. get to the marriage part, you're going to want the actual wedding rings too. Yep. Uh, and they do a great job at, at Lewis Jewelers. And and as and and one of the things we've talked about before that we really appreciate them, no commission, so they're not there to upcharge you. That's a huge thing. Um, you know, I know I run into that with insurance a lot of times. People are, you know, well, are you giving me the best deal or are you giving me the priciest deal? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are giving you the best deal. And that's what you get at our, our friends at Lewis Jewelers. Yeah, absolutely. I am probably going to have to go check out some watches myself, to be honest, because it's been a while since I've gotten myself a uh, a timepiece uh, here um, in my Apple Watch. Uh, Jacqueline just came in here and, and looked at me a little weird. She's like, no, we don't have a budget for that. So, um, but I think they're at Lewis Jewelers. They've got, you know, they've got plenty of all price ranges. So, uh, so we'll be able, hopefully I can go in there. Um, definitely as we're planning our wedding here, I think that is one of the, the big things that we're excited for to be able to go back in. I'm excited to get something around my own finger. You know, I was so concentrated on getting something on Jacqueline's finger. Um, and mm-hmm. she loves it. She, she, I will say she shows it off to just about everybody. Um, and, and she's gone in there and gotten it polished, which they do, which has been awesome to, you know, they'll do that whenever we want to, which is really nice. So, um, as you said, lewisjewelers.com, they're great people in there. If you're looking for something for anything from a birthday to mother's day to maybe you missed Valentine's day and you need to make up for it, you can go in there and, uh, and take care of things. So, um, lewisjewelers.com. So Mike. About these Sparties down the road in East Lansing, how are you feeling about them? Because they, I don't think they are feeling as good about their program right now as what we just talked about. We are with uh, with Juwan Howard. 
Well, they were a they're four and eight basketball team in the Big Ten right now, ten and eight overall. Uh, they have lost five of their last seven games, uh, including a thirty-point home loss to Iowa over the weekend. Uh, according to Ken Palm, they are projected to lose their last six games of the regular season, uh, which if they did, they would finish 10 and 14. Uh, if you give me a minute, I'll look up Tom Izzo's career record. I don't know the last time he had a losing record. Um, you know, he has he has said in the media he's got to do a better job. I've heard, you know, we've all heard this before. I'll say this. I've been accused of being a smarty before, being too kind to Michigan State. I have always... Uh, I've always said nice things, or I certainly was was favorable towards Mark D'Antonio for the, what he accomplished uh, with that Spartan football program uh, when he was winning Big Ten titles. And my whole feeling is always like, you give respect when respect is due. I didn't like him as a person, mm-hmm. but you couldn't argue with his results on the field. I have kind of had a different approach with Tom Izzo. I loathe Tom Izzo. I think his sideline demeanor, his running around like a little chicken with his head cut off, his yelling at referees, his dressing down of players, the way that he gets in their face and scream, like I would never in a million years. And I'm a tough love person. I was raised by tough love parents. I'm a disciplinarian. I already disciplined my one-year-old son, but there's no way I would ever let my child play for Tom Izzo. The guy is a fucking jackass. Like he is the worst of the worst. I can't stand this guy. I absolutely hate him. And I do not understand, especially the last few years, as as players, the recruits have kind of changed their attitudes. You, you have a much different type of recruit than you did 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Like, I don't know why people still sign up to play for this guy. Um, by the way, if they do lose their, if they finish under 500, it'll be the first time that they're under 500 since. Well, it's never happened in his career wow. dating back to 1996. Wow. He has always had – he had a 500 record his first year, and he has had a winning record every year since then. But oh I'll God. say this about Tom Izzo, because this was a top-five team, if you remember in the preseason. Like, this was a this was predicted to win the Big Ten title. Mm-hmm. I don't think he connects with kids anymore. I don't think he knows how to coach players in 2021 he didn't know how to coach Jaron Jackson Jr. a couple years ago. He didn't know how to coach Miles Bridges. He got extremely lucky that he had someone in Cassius Winston that was so old school, like a Mateen Cleaves, like a Morris Peterson. And Cassius Winston was able to put the entire team on his back and be exactly the type of Tom Izzo player that Tom Izzo needs. Mm-hmm. And when you look at going forward here, Justin, like I think we are this season is the beginning of the end for Michigan State and for Tom Izzo. Like, I don't think that he will ever get back to the final four. I don't think he will ever win a Big Ten title again unless he gets really lucky and Amani Bates does show up on campus. But they just lost a five-star recruit for the 2022 class. And there's a good chance that Amani Bates, the superstar, everybody's the next LeBron who is committed for 2022 um, that he never shows up on campus at Michigan state. Like I truly, truly believe that that Tom Izzo's reign, that Tom Izzo, everything that he's accomplished, like all of it is going to just dissipate completely in the next few years. Well, that is 
quite a bold statement, I have to say. I have to say. And that's coming from an Izzo hater myself as well. Um, I am not a fan of Izzo. I think there's all, all these people that say, oh, you got to respect him. You got to respect him. Yeah, I'll respect that he's had a lot of success, but I'm not a fan of how he does it with his sideline antics and everything like that. I agree with you. It's it's way too much. It's it's I, I'm not a fan of it. It's too too whiny and all that stuff. I'm not going to say I'm not going to be as bold as you and say he'll never come back because I've seen him take not so great teams to the final four. I've seen him take I've seen him form, uh, you know, or really develop guys throughout the course of a season and take a guy who looks like he shouldn't be on the same court as anybody in the Big Ten at the beginning of the season and then be one of their stars by the, by the end of the season. So I'm not quite there. I do think that I, they are definitely Tom Izzo is on the downslope of his career. I think that there's a chance that he may retire in the next few years. If things continue to go, I don't think they'll ever go this bad again, but I think if they, if he is not on a big 10 championship level again, after next year, he's probably really looking at, okay, should I, should I, is it time to retire? Is it that, you know, is this the end of my career? All those questions that he's probably asking himself right now, to be honest. So I'm not going to go that bad, but I am, uh, I do think he's on the downslope of, of his career. Um, and I think that we could see him making an exit here pretty soon. But I tell you what, Mike, damn, is it fun to watch Michigan State lose? <laughs> they, well, I, you know what? Go ahead. No, I mean, like, who, like, the way that he has, um, the way that he has thrown players under the bus, the, mm-hmm. the excuses that he makes in press conferences, um, you know, just like watch a game with Tom Izzo, a close competitive game where his team doesn't always play, you know, their best. Like you can see a lot of coaches that get frustrated during a game. You can see a lot of coaches that get upset that, you know, get into the official, like talk to the officials, but like you don't consistently see anybody that acts like the biggest clown like Tom Izzo does. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's running around. He like he b- bounces. He jumps up and down. He pouts. He like whines. He cries. He like he gets all red faced. I mean, he makes Brian Kelly look pedestrian <laughs> comparatively, <laughs> right? Like everything yeah. that like people accused that accused Jim Harbaugh of early on in his tenure uh, in 2015, 2016, like. I don't think Jim Harbaugh at his most obnoxious on the sidelines ever came close to being a Tom Izzo. Like he is the worst of the worst. And I literally cannot stand him. And that is from coming from someone who's married to a Spartan, who is surrounded by Spartans and has a, you know, great relationship with all my Michigan state people. But if Tom Izzo never coached another basketball game, and I never had to watch him run around there like a crazy person, I would be totally, totally fine with that. And I really, I, it's a little bit like D'Antonio. I kind of want to see him hang on for like three or four more years. And I kind of want to see him have a lot of 500 basketball seasons yep. where it just does, where it, where it just blows up over and over again and players get frustrated and they leave. Like I want him to experience the D'Antonio end to his career. I, I couldn't agree more. I also could see it happening, honestly. He's an ego guy. He's done it for, you know, he's done it well for so long. I imagine in his head he thinks, okay, I've got to do this, this, and this to get back to to the best state of our, 
you know, of MSU basketball that we've done for the past two decades. I could see him trying to hang on a little bit too long here in order to attempt to go out on a, um, on a, on a, you know, bright spot, but how wild would it be if the two greatest coaches in MSU history, Tom Izzo and Mark D'Antonio in terms of basketball and football, that's no doubt. I I think Mm -hmm. they could both possibly go out on a very, very negative note, which would just be, I think for Spartan fans, probably really disheartening. I know I I'll feel for my Spartan friends a little bit on that. Like if that was, flipped around, I would be really disheartened. I was disheartened enough that uh, John Beeline just kind of left on his own, let alone, you know, he was actually winning when he did leave. But um, yeah, it, it would it would be very, very wild, I think, for, for them to both leave on a, on a really poor note, but it's kind of trending that way. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out with them. But again, again, I... I'm very, I couldn't be more happy with the direction that both programs are going right now. It's fun to watch as a Michigan fan. I'm very excited for the next, uh, the next few weeks. Hopefully, uh, Michigan gets to play all their games. You know, I said it the other day too. The best part about Michigan winning on Sunday, we don't have to wait three weeks for them to play again. So we'll be back mm-hmm. watching them on Thursday as well. It'll, I'm, I'm very excited to watch that one. And as you said, um, a top five Michigan versus Ohio State matchup, not in football, but in basketball, that's going to mm-hmm. be pretty fun to watch as well. Yeah, it, it becomes it becomes must-see TV over the weekend. I, I don't know mm-hmm. about you, Justin, but I kind of lost a little bit. The first week, I was watching a lot of Big Ten games, and as the second week dragged on and then into the third week, I was watching less because I was like, okay, you know, I know this isn't Pebex, Michigan, but I kind of want you know, like. I'm not as engaged. And now that Michigan's back, like now I'm paying attention to everything in college basketball as we gear up uh, for the postseason. And I'm also, you know, also looking at, again, like women's basketball had a big win. Uh, I believe uh, they play tonight, um, you know, depending on when you listen to this podcast, uh, this is on Tuesday, February 16th. Uh, You know, hockey team split with Wisconsin. Um, You know, that was a big split for them uh, coming back. Again, I said, like, if they were to get the split, um, after their long pause, after the chemistry you need for three, you know, for four lines and three defensive pairings and two goalies, uh, that would be a that would be a good win uh, for for Michigan. And so now they've got a couple of games to get back into it to get themselves positioned for the postseason. So I'm just I'm fingers crossed and just hoping things uh, there's no more interruptions. Uh, certainly, my our number one priority is for the for the players and the coaches themselves. Uh, but damn, man, this is a lot more fun than it has been the last three weeks. For sure. For sure. And, and I, I mean, the fun thing is about, you know, obviously we've got the snow here. Hopefully the weather will turn. But this is one of my favorite times of the year when we get into March and Michigan is playing well. And, you know, they're going to go into the, the Big Ten tournament as probably the number one seed if things still work out the way that we think they will over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and then, you know, right now they're number one seed in the NCAA tournament, which is just incredible as well. I'll give it uh, the Michigan women's basketball team got absolutely snubbed in the first reveal of the top 16 seeds in the women's NCAA bracket, which is just ridiculous. They weren't in it and they should have mm-hmm. been number 11. They sh- they're ranked number 11. They should have been in it, no doubt, because they're they're 13 and one or whatever as well. Um 
but um still again this is my this is one of my favorite times of the year i can see the sun out now maybe that some of that snow is melting mm -hmm. and we're 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 getting past it but it's just so much fun to to think about watching michigan basketball on a on a thursday or friday in march playing in a in a tournament setting um and with this team i think that uh, you know the the expectations are going to be Final Four or National Championship or bust at this point. Um, so I'm excited to watch them go through that run and and uh, experience it with you, all you listeners and Michigan fans out there too. You know, Justin, real quick too about the women's team. Like, I, I can't imagine being Kim Barnes or Rico and the mm -hmm. frustration she must feel with the disrespect that her program gets year after year after year. To not uh, to not be in the top sixteen seeds right now, when they're the number fourteen team in the net rankings, like I, I, I don't I don't understand that I don't I don't get that like they literally like used it's their own net rankings they instead of like created this a couple of years ago to essentially say like hey these are how we're ranking teams and so they have number fourteen in their net rankings. And then they don't reveal them in their top 16 seeds overall. Like it's, it's just such utter BS. And it's the same thing every year. And it's like, so somehow essentially they got penalized for having COVID. That's what it ultimately comes, comes right. down to. They, sit, right. they sat out games and they got penalized for it. Yeah, it, it is. It's absolutely ridiculous. I don't understand. I know, you know, the level of play in the big 10 may not be up to par with uh, the sec and the pac 12 and everything, but still, you're, what else do you want to? What else do you want them to do? They've won. They've won every game except for one against Ohio State, where Nas Hillman still went off for 50 points. Um, Ohio State's one of the better teams in the Big Ten as well, so it's not like it's a bad loss. So um, I don't really understand it, but um, I think you know. Again, just to to still keep going on this train between Michigan women's basketball, men's basketball, the hockey team. Um, you know, volleyball's back in in uh, in play as well. Um, I think everybody's moving forward and, and playing really well right now, which is fun to watch. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun fun spring for for Michigan fans to to uh, you know to watch it all go down here. Hopefully, hopefully that Michigan basketball on both sides, women's and men's, and then the hockey team as well, can come out with a few championships. Uh, I'd love to see some banners and some trophies raised. Uh, for those teams, that's for sure. All right. Well, Justin, we'll talk again after Michigan's game against Rutgers. Follow us on Twitter at Stadium Main Pod, Justin Rowe92, Michael Spath, ITH. Thanks, everyone, and hope that you had a great Fat Tuesday. <laughs>